welcome to episode two of season five of the Presidential Podcast, where we barely talk about presidents anymore, but man, are we having fun talking about all kinds of really fun random stories that none of us have heard the other share prior to the recording of this. I'm Ryan Allworth, joined as always by Blaine Zimmerman and producer Hello. Russ Slivka, and a very special guest you heard on episode one of season five, Stingray Rob, who is here. Stingray, welcome back. Thank you. Thank Good you for sticking around for episode two. We're just going to dive right in. So, Blaine, you have story one of four of this episode, and it looks like you're drinking out of a... You, wow, that's not your normal drinking vessel. What's that all about? A mason jar, is that what you call it? It's a ball jar. Hmm. Oh, because in 1880, Frank and Edmund Ball, two of the Ball brothers, borrowed $200 from their uncle, George Harvey Ball, to buy the Wooden Jacket Can Company. Ah, yeah. A small manufacturing business in Buffalo, New York. Yeah. Soon all five brothers were in the business. Um, so they made 10 cans encased in wooden jackets. That would hold kerosene, paints, or varnishes. Okay. Because the acid used to refine the kerosene would cause corrosion in tin. Naturally. They had to make it out of glass jars. Yes. Yes. Oh. Okay. Wait, so it was originally tin cans inside of wood? It was glass on the inside of wood. Oh, okay. Huh. Because the tin would be corroded. Weird. And then it would, you know, mess up the whatever was in there. Okay. What uh, what era is this? What, What year, give or take? 1880. So in 1885, a group of Belgian glass blowers <laughs> were passing through Buffalo's and encouraged the Ball brothers to build their own factory. Naturally, just a couple of purchased land in Belgians. East Buffalo and built a two-story brick building for the stamping works and a one-story frame factory for the glass works. Does this Fire. timing coincide with Millard Fillmore and or it would have, Cleveland? It would have it coincided with Cleveland. Cleveland. Yeah, because. Oh. Cleveland would have been president in what eighteen ninety one, so he would have still been in Buffalo at the time. He would. Uh, he was president eighteen eighty five to eighty nine, oh, okay, and then so ninety three to ninety seven. Okay. So this would have been Cleveland, Benjamin Harrison, Cleveland era. Fire burns it down. Okay. They rebuilt. They expand. The ball bros are back. Yeah, eighteen eighty four discovered the patent covering the Mason improved fruit jar had expired so they grabbed the patent for the fruit jar yes and they was were mason called. the name of the other company or yeah okay. the mason improved fruit, fruit Got jar. It. what okay. i'm drinking out of now thing that you're used to seeing says mason on the bottom with the script ball above it uh-huh how old does it have to be to expire a patent yeah uh i mean i don't know you that's probably googleable like patent i think they expire in the same way that like winnie the pooh just like it's you in public domain. Right, because yeah. the thing expired, right? Yep, and now there's yeah. a horror movie out. Yeah, there is. Mm-hmm. Called, uh, as long horror, as he, horror, Blood and Honey. Horror. As long as he doesn't have the red shirt on, right? Oh, I don't know. They can use it? Maybe. There's I think he has like to wear that. pants. Okay. I think Who's he always to wear pants? pants. Huh? You can't have poo with pants. pants. Yeah, you he was have, always in pants? You can't have poo pants. <laughs> <laughs> What's Mason improved? What does that mean? It's a canning jar. Why is it? Okay. I'm That's sure like it model? has. Well, I'm guessing it has to do with the fact that you can put a lid on it. I wonder mm. if it's the labeling on the side as well, the measurements. Oh. Well, there's the measurements, but in order for it to be a canning jar, you have to be able to seal it so you can pickle stuff. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And so I'm guessing before then the jars didn't have the twist twist mm. shape to it. So they bought that building and obviously put their logo on the side. Yeah. So they incorporated the Ball Brothers Manufacturing Company around the same time it got... Uh, destroyed again. They heard about a natural gas boom in Findlay, Ohio, and visited there, and then found out about using the advantages of natural gas instead of coal for manufacturing glass. Okay. So he f- visited several towns with gas fields, to include Muncie, Indiana. Hey, yeah, there we go. Wow. Okay. All right. All right. So they started working. Well, they worked out at Bowling Green for a little while, and then they moved to Muncie. Bowling Green, Indiana. Bowling, Bowling Green, Ohio. So they're moving Bowling from Bowling Green, Kentucky. Yeah. There so they're moving well, from yeah. from Buffalo. Stopped in Ohio for a little bit. Landed. In so Muncie. there is a Bowling Green, Ohio. Mm-hmm. I actually drove through Green, two days ago. Indiana yeah. and a Bowling Green, Kentucky. I don't know. If there's I don't a know Bowling if there's Green, Bowling Green, Indiana. Green in Indiana. I thought we just talked about that. I think no? you just made it up. Yeah, Russ. you just said there's a Bowling Green in Indiana, no, 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 and I no. said no, Ohio. Earlier tonight. Didn't we talk about Bowling Green, Indiana? No. Am I going crazy? Yeah. I think... Oh, wait, wait, wait. 
there is a Bowling Green, Indiana. I know well because done. we just oh. talked about it earlier tonight. Where's that? It's in Clay County. It's like northwest of Bloomington, between yeah. Bloomington and Terre Haute. Yep. Clay yeah. County. Yeah. It is a mining town, or mining county, anyway. Sorry, Russ. We shouldn't have disparaged you like that. I could swear. Okay. I feel <laughs> so, like a little crazy. 1888, they opened their first glass manufacturing facility in Muncie. Okay. February 18th, more fire. <laughs> <laughs> first products to be manufactured were oil containers and lamp chimneys, but then they started making the glass jars again. Started growing and prospering. What is a oil field? You said there was oil fields in Muncie. Natural it was gas. Natural gas. Oh, okay. So, yeah, I would assume that it, like fire is because, and obviously glass blowing involves uh, hot Stuff. Yeah. Do you know glass blowing? Do you know what they call the oven that no, they but blow I'd glass like to in? Know. It's called the glory hole. <laughs> <laughs> it is. It's called the glory hole, and they refer to it that way, like with a straight face. <laughs> like bunghole is a whiskey term. Uh huh. Yeah, it's the part of the barrel. Yeah. So yeah. the family be- it, it stayed a family owned business for over ninety years. Nineteen twenty two, it was renamed the Ball Brothers Company. The same year. That the I think it's like the it was like the Indiana Eastern Teachers College yes was mm. renamed Ball State University. There wow. it is. That's true. So they were a big funder of the, of uh, everything Muncie. Like they funded was employed lots of things in Muncie, yeah. and they put a lot of funding into the college, and so okay. they named it after the Ball Brothers. This that is, is why Ball this State is the OG big baller brand. Yeah, um, sure, now a sure. regional powerhouse Fly in high. the Mid American <laughs> Conference. Who else is in the Mid-America? The MAC, if you will. All the directional Michigans. And then... <laughs> directional uh, Michigan. Well, Eastern, Western, Western yeah, Central. Yeah. And then, like, Miami of Ohio, Ohio University. I think Bowling Green's in the MAC. Okay. Akron's in the MAC. Like, all the smaller Ohio yeah. schools. Akron. And then it's like... Toledo. Zips? Yeah, Toledo. Toledo, oh. yeah. Toledo. Toledo, Toledo is in the MAC. Because remember you saw that rock? I did. Where they painted for being MAC champions? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, in the 1950s, the ball company decided to diversify. Remember, these oh, people are good. making canning jars. Okay. Uh-huh. So, they decided to diversify into the aerospace industry. Yeah, they did. Oh, my. Of course. Naturally. What, what year does. was this? In the 1950s. Okay. So, they set up shop in Muncie and Boulder, Colorado. Wow. Began manufacturing aerospace equipment in 1959 with its OSO, Orbiting Solar Observatory Satellite. Designed and built for NASA using $1.4 million in grants, and it was launched into space March 7th, 1962. That's amazing. Jeez. Was it made of glass? Well, obviously satellites, right? Which just <laughs> use a lot of refraction and mirrors and things oh. like that. <laughs> okay. I thought he was going to tell me that satellites are naturally made of glass. <laughs> it's not, though. Mirrors. So what year was this that they started doing the things out in, uh, out in Denver or Boulder? 1959, roughly. Okay. I think it was Bowling Green, Colorado. And NASA's pretty young then, right? So, right. NASA National Aeronautics and Space Act was passed in 1958. Wow. Under... So they were like OG satellite manufacturers, yeah, right? That's yeah. really cool. Eventually stopped producing glass canning jars. They basically like split the company in half. And one half, like the one company does glass manufacturing now the other just does aerospace engineering to include they were some of the key components in the james webb satellite oh really yeah that's crazy think about like you only think of the ball company as these glasses yeah but like the james webb telescope is one of like the coolest technological advances the the pictures from of our lifetime you might not even using glass Made by the same company that makes these. So cool. You're holding a satellite. You might not yeah. even think like, oh, yeah, it's a mason jar. But next time you hold one, like if it's a legitimate mason jar, it's going to say ball on it. Yeah. And yeah. it's part of a satellite. So Can you it, imagine if you opened up a satellite and it's just a ball jar screwed in there? That's <laughs> the part. So ball made the advanced optical technology and lightweight mirror systems okay. that make the images possible. Wow. That's legit. Yeah. So fun fact, Boulder... The college has a very good aerospace engineering program. I know someone that went through there okay. has done well. So I bet it's because of the ball yeah. space expedition huh. program that they have. Oh, yeah. The very ball bros. That was really cool. So anyway, story. yeah. That was well like super cool. I don't know what prompt. Oh, you know what it was? It was the NBA finals. Because the <laughs> ball state was in the NBA finals. No, ball, the stadium in Denver is uh, ball arena uh, really and yes. people were like yes, how yes. does this glass company have the money to sponsor an nba stadium yeah 
And then I saw an article about like, oh, actually, they're in aerospace. Cool. Like, so, of course, they have a ton of money. And so That's I started crazy. digging. Then I saw they were in Muncie. And I was mm-hmm. like, wait, Ball Ball State? Is that what Ball State's named after? Yeah. So, like, yeah. what Ball State's named after directly led to the James Webb Telescope, which yeah. is pretty cool. I'm going to say without those guys, you wouldn't have Jim Davis or Garfield Cartoons or the Dave Letterman Show. Isn't Jim Davis from Kokomo? Yeah, but he went to Ball State oh, and he okay. studied under like a David Letterman. David Letterman. Yeah, yeah you wouldn't have David Letterman without the Ball Brothers. That's cool. That's a good story. Well yeah. done. All right. Not like the the weird and wacky, but I found it interesting enough. Stingray, you want to go next, or yeah, you want to sure. do another yeah, one? Yeah, let's do it. All right. We got Stingray Rob in the house here. Special guest, so world traveler. We, we, He's we, been we, to Italy. <laughs> he was in Ohio last week. Yeah. He's going to Iowa. Like Can't you, wait. Just, you get to see all the cool stuff. Can't Grew up in Idaho. Idaho. Did yeah. we talk about Bowling Green, Indiana recently? Knew about Isn't flying beavers? Did I? Just tonight in this house. Was You've been in the room the whole time. I don't. That's the first time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, going, I'm going crazy. <laughs> that's the voice of Molly, Blaine's sister, who is denying ever hearing about Bowling Green, Indiana tonight, Russ. Maybe you so just had weird. a good case of deja vu. Maybe. Maybe. It's a glitch in the matrix. Yeah. All right, Stingray, what you got, bro? So I don't know if we talked about this at all, but I am an IndyCar driver. Wait, what? Oh, yep. <laughs> surprise, surprise. <laughs> Get out. <laughs> we actually purposely didn't mention that at all. Yeah. <laughs> Going on the merits of your personality. Yeah. Got it. Yeah. Okay, well, this, this is slightly related. So in my growth as to arrive at my IndyCar level, I had to do many different series. So I, I started out in go-karts. That's when I went to Italy, got to travel around, do all those things. Um, but when I was diversifying into cars, I drove everything that I could. I wanted to do whatever whatever I chose to do, I wanted to make sure it was a straight path to the top. Okay. Because motorsports, it's more like shattered glass than it is a ladder. You know, most hmm. sports like hmm. baseball, basketball, football, you have single A, double A, triple A majors. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's a straight path. Well, in motorsports, it's you can jump from one vein to another. So cool. say you start out in sports cars, you can jump to open wheel, to NASCAR, to endurance racing, to rally racing, back to open wheel. And so there's there's so many different ways you can go. Isn't that um, what that Canapino did? Correct. Like his, he was in some weird series before. Yeah, he was like the seven-time Argentinian sports car champion or something like okay, that. Wow. So And then came to IndyCar. And what's a sports car? So a sports car is just like a general uh, production car. So you have like Corvettes, Porsches, Lambos, all those things. You also have the endurance championships that kind of go along those same lines. And so you have brands like Ferrari or Peugeot. Batman raced against them. Yes. Yeah, Yeah. that's right. right. I've seen that movie. I saw it too. Right. No, totally. (laughs) Anyway, so normally to get to the top of whatever else it may be, uh, NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, World Endurance Championship, you have to do many years of training and getting that experience level and kind of get the criteria that's required to see that step up as you go. So for myself, I spent, well, let's see, 20, 2016 to this year in order to make it to IndyCar. So it took me a long time, lots wow. of races, lots of attrition, and a lot of dollars spent. You know, we have investors and partners that kind of have paid my way to the top. Well, in 1982, in April of 1982, William Dunaway of Hendersonville, Tennessee, contacted a Nashville newspaper to promote a driver named L.W. Wright, who declared he was entering the Winston 500 with Music City Racing. The Winston, claimed was that NASCAR? This is NASCAR. Okay. okay. So this is at Talladega. The claim to be 33-year-old driver with 43 NASCAR claimed, claimed 43 NASCAR Grand National Starts. Wright also announced country artists Merle Haggard, T.J. <laughs> Shepard, and Waylon Jennings were to sponsor his team. The Highwaymen. Yes. I like this guy. I, yeah, this yeah. is going to go sideways real fast. <laughs> I like it. Keep going. In order to participate in the race, Wright must submit a check worth $115 to NASCAR for a competition license. Although the sanctioning <laughs> Just body... Just $115? <laughs> That's it? But, I mean, he's, he's claimed You're that he's ran, ran 43 times. Okay. I don't know who the fact checkers are at NASCAR, but I hope they're doing a lot better now. I don't know if... I mean, I'm sure you know a lot more about the history Seemed of NASCAR like a nice than I do. Guy but drinking out of a mason I don't know that bootleggers spend a whole lot of time research. Well, now they do. Yeah, the, they do their own research. Right. The <laughs> <laughs> this guy sounds interesting. I'm intrigued. Continue, yeah. please. <clears throat> so, in order to participate, he has to get the competition license. Although the sanctioning body officials were skeptical of his background, no one thought to check. Right to work laws required NASCAR to allow him to race if he could pay for the license and a $100 entry fee, and provide a capable car. So really, 
experience doesn't matter. You can just pay the two hundred and fifteen dollars yeah. and go yeah. NASCAR racing. Yeah. That's amazing. Boogity cool. boogity boogity boys. Yeah. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, when was this? Nineteen eighty two. Nineteen eighty two. Yeah. Nineteen eighty two. That's right. One year old. As yeah, part of Music City Racing, Lloyd Barber and Rick Wright also applied for driver's permits while Dunaway, Freddie Case, Willis Judd, Michael Smith, and Ellis White requested mechanics licenses. I don't know any of these names, so just... Is yeah. Barber the same as the track? No, okay. no, it's not. Wright approached B.W. Bernie, otherwise known as Bernie, Terrell, head of Nashville-based Space Age Marketing for assistance in buying and sponsoring a car, which is typical. When you get into motorsports, usually you have to have some sort of dollars backing you. Yeah, and huh. so you can have a manager, a marketing agency, or if you have some family funding um, somewhere or another, there, there's different ways to go about raising if you're funds related to go. to somebody that owns the track. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> Details. That's my daddy. <laughs> <laughs> you got daddy. So he, wanted, he approached this Bernie in order to buy and sponsor a car. In addition to $30,000 to purchase the vehicle, Bernie gave him a semi-trailer truck and $7,500 to cover the expenses. This is super cheap, by the way. This is not your typical racing yeah. experience. But wow. anyways, he eventually bought a Chevy Monte Carlo from Sterling Marlin. Who oh, Ster- okay. yeah, Sterling yeah. Marlin is a pretty, pretty legendary. Yeah. 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 Um, and I actually met him when I was six years old in Twin Falls, Idaho at a oval track race down there. Cool. And fun fact. Near the beaver drop. <laughs> yes. <laughs> <laughs> so my name Stingray. Sting is actually short for Sterling. Because my dad's side of the family's heritage is from Stirlingshire, Scotland. You guys are getting a whole history. Wait, wait, yeah. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Sting is short for Sterling. Sterling. From Ireland, you said? Scotland. Scotland. Okay. Yes. All right. Yes. Cool. And so, you know, of course, we're like, I'm kind of named Sterling. Nice to meet you, Sterling. And that's how I got to meet Sterling Marlin. That's but cool. like, Sterling Mar- to Sterling Martin... Marlin. Sting, sorry, Marlin. Yeah. Stingray doesn't seem like an absurd name because he raced against Dick Trickle. Yes. Yeah. So he's just used to... Yeah, he just went with it. Yeah, he was like, yeah, that makes sense to me. If Sting had just gone by <laughs> Sterling, do you think he would have had the career he had? Oh, Which mean, Sting? The wrestler? Sting. No, you the singer. Gordon Sumner. Oh. <laughs> That's his name. I went with WCW there. Got it. His um, name's Gordon Snyder? Gordon Sumner. And he was oh. named Sting because he wore a black and yellow striped sweater all the time. Oh, because he, like he was in Bumblebee. Striper. Yes, he was originally. in Striper. Yes. Wild. <laughs> uh, Sterling is also the name of the car in Cars. Oh, what? He's the silver car in Cars 3 who, like, owns the track or something, and he's <laughs> trying to get Lightning McQueen we to can't. retire and sell all the merchandise. We can't get into uh, the Cars deep dive again. Okay. We've yeah. done that. Tomator's great, though. Top-tier character. Uh, well, yeah. we just we realized there's a whole history in the Cars universe that like people haven't considered. I feel like if you're bringing it up, you have to go into it. Go ahead, Blaine. Well, like, so there's <laughs> there's a part in one of the Cars movies where they have to go through TSA. Cars 2, because they're going over to Tokyo. Oh, yes. But the, the existence of TSA means there had to have been a Cars 911. Mm. Oh, no. Otherwise, yeah. there's also the Popemobile. Would it have been the... Okay. Would it have been the cars, planes that went into it? Oh, yes. Because yes. that's yeah. the thing. They right? had the movie. Yeah. They did have a horrible but movie called Planes. There's yeah. a Pars Popemobile, which like insinuates that not only was the cars Pope like almost assassinated. Right, right. But also <laughs> that means there had to have been a cars resurrection. Mm-hmm. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's, it's canon. It was yeah. restored. Yeah. Right, like. Restored. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. there's so many things in the Cars universe that like they added in as like humor, but when you really dive into it, yeah. like there's a dark Cars history there. Well, Sarge, he was in Battle of the Bulge. Mm, yeah, he was. Which means there had to have been a Cars Hitler, because yeah. otherwise Holocaust. the Battle of the Bulge doesn't happen. Like, yeah, there's a whole well, and his Holocaust. friend is German. The VW bus. That's uh, true. Yeah. Oh, Fillmore. Yeah. Fillmore. No, yeah, Chong. Fillmore, Fillmore, Fillmore's a bus, isn't he? Isn't he a VW yeah, bus? Is a VW yeah, VW bus. bus. Yeah. German made, hippie. Yep. Oh, but Wild. also comes from tank ancestors. Mm. Yep. And therefore a, a, a Jesus Karst as well, since yeah. they're the Pope. Jesus well, Karst. Well, but we. <laughs> but that that also means that, like, if the Battle of Bulge happened, there was a Holocaust. Holocaust, yeah. <laughs> so. <laughs> Jesus Karst. Mm. <laughs> Oh, okay. Okay, Stingray. Stingray, you were so talking L. about... L.W. Um, Wright. Yeah. L.W. Yes. Wright. L.W. Wright. So, anyways, he eventually bought the car from Sterling Martin for $20,000, uh, 
Uh, Marlin. With now it's my turn. Marlin. Marlin. My bad. Oh, ah. Man, dang it. Uh, so for $20,700 with a $17,000 in cash and a check for the remainder. Suspicious of the excessively high money spending, Marlin followed Wright to Talladega to serve as his crew chief. Other payments included $1,500 to $1,800 Goodyear for tires, $1,200 to driver Travis Tiller for parts, and $168 to Southern Textile Association's Wayne Wilson for racing jackets. After Wright conducted a newspaper interview to promote his entry, Shepard denied his involvement in the effort, with Nashville Speedway co-owner and Shepard's tax attorney Gary Baker adding the, quote, had never even heard of the guy, end quote. <laughs> Strong, when, who? <laughs> when he was questioned at Talladega about Shepard and his racing career, Wright claimed that Shepard's sponsorship was premature and admitted he had participated in sportsman class races that took place at Grand National Tracks. But not in the Grand National race. Marlin expressed further suspicion as Wright's behavior at the track, who regularly asked, quote, questions any driver should have known, end quote. Wright crashed in practice. So where do you turn this thing on? <laughs> we, go, we go left or right. <laughs> uh, so, I mean, day one, right? Wright crashes the car in practice. Yeah, he does. But was able to repair his car and qualified 36th out of. We don't know. Okay. In the race, he was ordered to exit <laughs> after 13 laps for being too slow and finished 39th. So 39th. Okay. Oh. There you go. Oh, wow. And there's more to the story here. He actually spun on lap two, and his engine gave out on lap 13. Wow. He also... This guy's figure. pretty great. Yeah. Yeah. He's just wild. That, he's a salesman. Yeah. Like, he just... I can yeah. do that. Yeah, yeah I've done it Well, it, it makes sense it came out of Nashville, too. Yeah. 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 yeah that's yeah. true. Because he finished 39th, Actually, so his qualifying speed was 187 miles an hour. The top qualifier was 200 miles an hour. Oh, wow. So, so he was a snail compared to Yes, yeah, he was 13 yeah. miles an hour off the pace here. <laughs> Anyways, he received $1,545 in prize money, but no points in the cup standings as a late entrant. Okay. Like, hold on. Let's give reference there. Just 13 miles an hour. So the difference between... Average. 13 miles an hour average. Right. So the difference between Polo and... Oh, who was it? Let's just say me. Harvey, right? <laughs> you just say, just say me. Yeah. Who, what was the difference? It was... Uh, First and last like fall. Four, four or five miles an hour. So four miles an hour was the difference between first and last in the Indy 500 qualifying this year. Yeah. And that's what, 100 meters? Well, we're doing th- over 300 feet per second at 240 miles an hour. Okay, so wow. six... Seven wow. or no? So it's a two and a half. Miles. Someone has to do math here. I don't yeah. know who it's going to be. You said three hundred feet a second. <laughs> it's twelve hundred feet, so four hundred meters. So four hundred meters is the difference between first and last. Meters or feet? Meters, because it's twelve hundred feet. So if it's three hundred feet a second, we'll just call it a quarter mile. Okay, yeah, quarter mile. But thirteen seconds is going to be thirteen miles an hour. Yes, thirteen miles an hour is astronomical. I mean, you're talking like half a lap, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a huge difference. Yeah. And how many liters in a gallon? <laughs> Here's, I don't know. I don't know. Four. I, really don't. I always just say four. Speaking right? of Nashville, do you remember which president defended Nashville? <laughs> Jackson. No. Defended Nashville prior to being president. Wasn't Jackson? George H.W. Bush. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he was like, he was they're called- not bad people. <laughs> <laughs> he, was, he was a Southern Unionist. He was oh. around Lincoln. He was not president when this happened. Oh, wait, what was it? Uh, the ball crusher? What? The guy that got his oh. nuts crushed on the what? horse? <laughs> no, oh, that no. was uh, Franklin Pierce. Pierce. Uh, you're close, no, though. It was um, Buchanan? Uh, no. Keep going. Johnson. Johnson. Andrew Johnson. Yeah. Wow. I was, was going to get there. Yeah, Andrew Johnson. First one to get impeached. Okay, go on. Okay, so he's finished last in the race after crashing and retiring on lap 13, but he's won $1,545. Yeah. Okay. Following the race, Wright disappeared. I bet he did. He had- Parked the car at the Speedway where Terrell recovered it. While missing, he was announced as having failed to qualify for the next race, the Cracker Barrel Country Store 420. <laughs> At Nashville Speedway. <laughs> this is his home race. The Cracker Barrel. Nashville's such, or NASCAR's such an absurd place. 420. 420. Yeah. Yes. All right. It was later revealed that I the do checks. I Cracker Barrel. <laughs> yeah. I love it. 
just like the Jim Crow of restaurants. I, I, I unapologetically <laughs> enjoy every experience at Cracker Barrel. It's great. The you walk in, there is great. You walk in, you have the regional like attire. Oh, yeah. You get Dolly Parton CDs if you want one. You got the little candy canes. Yeah. Then you walk in by a woman who's got two stars on her apron named Myrtle. <laughs> And you sit in this by a hearth that has a legit deer head above it. Yeah. And you order the exact same thing and it tastes the exact same at any Cracker Barrel. I saw a yeah. guy recently that like managed to uh, like drill a photo of him and his dog on the wall. <laughs> oh, yes. Yeah. Yes. I saw this. I love that. So, yeah. How okay. does the star system work at Cracker Barrel? Is it more star? I, I assume it's, it's more stars the better. Yeah. I think right? it's years work there. Every think, year you oh, work there. Yeah, yeah. That makes a lot more sense than like – because I had a – pretty terrible waiter last time I went to Cracker Barrel and he had like seven stars yeah he was chess lettuce is that what it's called chess lettuce yeah he had tenure so they just couldn't fire him I think so (laughs) all right Uh, so he disappears yeah so he did not make it to the Cracker Barrel country store 420 (laughs) he was later revealed that the checks which Wright gave were invalid oh Wow. Shocking. Shocking. You don't say. The South Central Bell and Wright's landlord received bad checks worth $700 and $4,500, respectively. While the United States, sorry, United Trappers Marketing Association owner Dean McIntyre lost over $10,000 to Wright. Marlon commented, the bounce check didn't really surprise me. I sort of expected it. (laughs) Yeah. NASCAR arranged for arrest warrants while Terrell hired a private investigator to search for Wright. Wow. How does NASCAR arrange for arrest warrants? Are they, they got a legal people, body? They got it's people. The Nash- it's they got the NASCAR people. mafia. They're, yeah. they're out there. Wright was referred to as the, quote, D.W. Cooper of NASCAR. Oh, dope. Oh. Love Wait, that. D.W. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. D.B. Cooper. My bad. He's the guy that hijacked the plane and then jumped out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So this is in 1982. A documentary aired on NASCAR Race Hub for his immediate disappearance and unknown whereabouts. Oh. Fast forward. Discovery. On April 29th, 2022. <laughs> 40 years? What? Yes. 40 years later. Rick Houston of the Scene Vault podcast announced that they had found Wright, releasing a podcast interview with him on May 2nd, 2022. The 40th anniversary of Wright's infamous race and disappearance. The podcast announcement included an audio clip of Wright identifying himself. However, there is still doubt among many that this man was actually L.W. Wright. Huh. On February 13th, 2023, (laughs) Wright was arrested in Knox County, Tennessee by the United States Marshals Fugitive Task Force. He was charged with theft, burglary, and evading arrest. Wow. How, How old was he? Well, he had to be like. Well, this is a made-up man. Seventies. So. Oh, born anywhere from 1948 to 1949. So he's wow. 80s. Yeah. Yeah. Meters. 40 years well, to 70s, the day. Yeah. Wow. That's crazy. By the way, like I wasn't going to bring up your job because I think I, I thought it was funnier um, <laughs> to not. Um, <laughs> we can we can bleep that part <laughs> yeah. out. No. Yeah. Yeah. But no, good. I do want now since you've opened the can, just real quick. So you had a spotter that was. A, a guy named Poncho. Poncho right? Carter. Off the cuff, tell us one Poncho story. Because this guy's like a legendary like, this dude, is, right? This, this First is, of all, before you do, can we just give props where props are due? Like, you, this was your rookie year in the Indy 500. Oh, like, yeah. thank you. That's well, the freaking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's just awesome. Thank yeah. you. Let's just say that. But most importantly, great and, dude. And the checks didn't bounce. Great dude. Yeah. yeah. Solid podcast. Like, though. the most yes. absurd yeah. part of your job when you were talking about the Cracker Barrel, whatever, 420, is when you can <laughs> off the cuff, like, come out of a race car and be like, oh, I just, you know, got to give a lot of credit to Biohaven, good health. Like and just rattle yeah. them off, Cracker Barrel. Yeah. Like that yeah. is just an absurd thing that you can just do off the cuff. Well, like Monty. I respect the hell out yeah. of it. Thank you. Um, but yes, so it we're is. halfway through your rookie year. But I've heard about this Poncho guy. Yes. Like, throw out one Poncho story. So I, I actually, it's funny because Poncho is not his real name. Oh, and this guy doesn't Billy. look like a Poncho. I can't even remember his real name. It's just Poncho. Poncho Carter. That's who he is. Cool. That's who he's always been. He's just that guy. I, I guess you could be described, or you could describe him as the cat that has died to Ooh. the maximum amount of times. Oh, he's got his. He's mm. on his ninth life. He's on his ninth life. Mm. He's got a mad limp, and he's got like this electrical thing that like shocks his leg, so it moves. 
So he's kind of like got like his drag leg behind him. He's yeah. a cyborg? Yeah. <laughs> well, kind of. Yeah. So anyway, it's cool. A cyborg race car dirt track driver. So the the reason that he has that limp, and I, I'm probably going to butcher this story. He should be here to tell it because Poncho's amazing. We got him going one day talking about this. And so he's a sprint car driver, dirt sprint car driver. And these guys are nuts, like sideways, flat out. Um, and they hit a bump. They just rolled the, rolled the car. Well, apparently he got in a crash at the Indy 500. Oh. And something happened, broke his leg, something uh, broke his arm maybe, and he had a cast on. I think that's it. He broke his arm, had a cast on. Well, he ends up being in the hospital. He sneaks out. Sneaks out of the hospital, I'm pretty sure, and goes to the sprint car race. He wanted to go watch. His buddies are all there. Well, rumors started going around that Poncho was going to get in the car, and they figured out that he was, but his leg wasn't working properly. Like His, his ankle wasn't flexible and he had this cast on his arm, I'm pretty sure. So what they did is they got a stick and duct taped it from his knee to the gas pedal. Oh, my. And he won. Started last. <laughs> just smoked That's everyone. Crazy. That sounds like Ricky Bobby. Yeah. Oh, yes. that sounds like, like, yeah. He just couldn't stop. So yeah. anyways, I probably butchered that story, but that's, that's the kind amazing. of guy this is. Oh, so Poncho Corver. Yeah. I mean, thank you, yeah. I mean, yeah, thank you for sharing that. Yes. Uh, we, we wanted to bring you on to like just have you as a normal guest and because you you have to talk about that stuff all the time and it's got to get exhausting it does so we wanted to like relieve you of that yeah for a night but we appreciate you sharing some stories well what's it like to drive the car yeah it's gotta be why is your name stingray yeah like yeah Yeah, you really brought this on yourself (laughs) yeah like pee in your pants when you're (laughs) so we're gonna take a break and then russ and ryan you're gonna tell their stories this is episode Episode two of season five of the Presequential Podcast. Facing the transition out of the military is rarely easy. It doesn't help that the staggering number of options you're faced with can be overwhelming. But there's a light at the end of that tunnel for all veterans. And that light shines brightest here in Indiana. Lucrative careers in fast-growing industries are plentiful. Housing costs are amongst the lowest in the nation. And you can live in the country while being less than an hour from a world-class city. At InVets, we're showing veterans how to translate the valuable skills they've learned to the civilian world while connecting them with careers they can be proud of so they can lead fulfilling, purposeful lives. Go to InVets, that's I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Create a profile to learn more about Indiana communities, browse the current open job openings in these communities, and receive your free shirt. That's InVets, I-N-V-E-T-S dot org. Welcome back to episode two of season five, the new version of American or presequential American Gladiators. No, uh, <laughs> presequential podcast. We've been joined these first two episodes by Stingray Rob. We thank you so much for coming woop woop. and joining us with your beaver stories. Beavers, <laughs> our our resident Idaho historian. So yeah. <laughs> we're going to go into Ryan's story yep. before Russ brings us home. So Ryan, what do you got? Okay, so this is not about a person. It is sort of about a group of people. Specifically, is it the Beach Boys? No. <laughs> okay, that Beach Boys episode was decent. I really liked it. Theremin, yeah. Yeah. I wasn't talking. I just just assumed you were going back to the well. (laughs) Just go back to the Beach Boys. You talk about the Beach Boys more than they show up on Full House. (laughs) Which is a lot. (laughs) (laughs) Have you guys ever heard of North Sentinel Island? No. Because that's what we're about to talk about. I feel like it's north of here. Okay. There is a South Sentinel Island, but this north one is the one we're That's talking about. Is there a west and an east as well? There's not. Okay. Oh, you, don't want to, you don't want to go to the South Sentinel Island. No, no, no. Like after dark. No, it's one of the not. directional Sentinel Islands. Yeah. yeah. Actually, it's a Mac school. Yeah. Actually, you don't want to go to North Sentinel Island. Oh. Okay. And here's Try why. Me. Okay. So off the coast of India, there used to be a penal colony. It's fine. Which just uh-huh. makes me chuckle. Uh, Australia. A penal colony called Port Blair. It's actually a, the main city in this group of islands called the Andaman Islands in the Bay of Bengal. Okay? Okay. Now, 50 kilometers west of there is this island called North Sentinel Island that is essentially the most untouched civilization on the planet. Okay. What? Okay? Hmm. North Sentinel Island, the indigenous people who live there, they have lived in voluntary isolation for the better part of what anthropologists think for about 60,000 years. So wow. they're like Amish. Okay. Oh, they're, they're the yeah. Amish of India. Men of the Bay of Bengal. Okay. okay. A lot of tigers in the And then like four songs in the 80s. Yeah. 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 I'm tracking with you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> 
I just got it. <laughs> yeah. I just got it. North Sentinel Island. First of all, they're not they're called the Sentinelese to everybody else, but we don't know what they are called to themselves. We don't know their language. We don't know oh. honestly anything about them because anyone who has tried to come in contact yeah, with this people. Here we go. Well, I mean, we know they have an eternal flame there. Yeah, the Bengals. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Yeah. Did you have to look that up? I did. Yeah, I, it's okay, though. It's I couldn't remember which one they were, but yes, I couldn't remember whisper. if they walked like an Egyptian. They did. Yeah. Okay. Have an eternal flame. They walk like an Egyptian. Uh-huh. Got it. And Go they, on. yes, yes, they do. We're not going to throw Manic Monday in there, or is that for Prince later? wrote that, fun fact, that no oh. one asked for. This island is so protected by the Indian government that they have a like a three-mile radius around the island that is protected and monitored by the Indian Navy because these people, time after time after time after time that they've tried to be in contact, have essentially told the rest of the world, piss off, we're good. I feel like that's the type of place your dad would have like taken a ship into and been like, oh, good, look, we're here. Don't know how that happened. Well, funny you mention that. Because <laughs> okay. what? every time that happens, it is not ended well. Okay, the first time that... North Sentinel Island shows up in like recorded history is in 1771. These people, first of all, are thought to be descended from the first peoples from the African continent to move to like all the way to like Australia and do all the seafaring stuff, whatever. However, they ended up there, we don't know, but there's a bunch of different theories. 1771, British surveyor John Ritchie observed a quote, multitude of lights, end quote, from an East India Company survey vessel named the diligent just passes by but he realizes like the current's too rough he's like "Eh, i don't really want to check things out so but there's lights on the island there's like fires the first time we have ever heard of north sentinel island was 1771 now how long they had been living there prior to that we don't know towards the end of that year another ship an indian merchant ship called the nineveh uh is wrecks on a reef which is ironic if you remember the story that I think you're trying to process, Russ. From I, I was trying to process two things. One, isn't Nineveh a Amish town? Biblical. Nineveh, Pennsylvania, yes. Yeah. yeah. And I think Nineveh, Indiana as well. Yep. But yes, Nineveh was the town or this big city that Jonah was supposed to go yeah. to. They were bad. They were bad people. That's the whale he guy, was supposed right? to go there, and he yeah, was like, I don't want to go there. Yeah. And the whale ate him and was and, like, and there was a shipwreck. You're in Nineveh now. There was a shipwreck in that story, and there also was a shipwreck on the Nineveh. Okay. So we now flash forward 100 years from the first sighting. So Whoa. it's been a century since anyone has seen this island. Then the, Nineveh, then the Nineveh breaks down, wrecks on the reef, and there's 106 surviving passengers on board the ship. And oh, iceberg. They mm-hmm. start getting arrows shot at them yeah. from the shore uh-huh. and they get rescued long story short okay so that's the second time that people have come into contact with north sentinel island what happened to those people were they all dead Did they all someone die? had to make it back Clearly no you said rescue because we heard the story yeah that's right the the crew survived okay. but they come back with this wild story of like we're getting shot at by natives with arrows and like what the heck this 19 year old kid named maurice vidal portman gets basically put in charge of the Andaman Islands by Britain. Okay, he's a 19-year-old aristocrat, and they're like, go over to the Bay of Bengal and take care of the natives. So he does, and this is when it starts to get bad. So he's the first guy, essentially, to land on North Sentinel Island. 19 years old, and he's got a posse with him of British colonialists. Which always ends up great. Yeah. And so... uh, And these blankets. It's, yeah, it's 1880, not too far from that, actually. The landing party finds a series of like pathways and villages that have been abandoned. They stay on the island for a couple of days, and they run into six natives, an elderly couple, and four children. They basically kidnap them, take them back to Port Blair on the do. ship. Okay, First of all, can you even imagine, think of the folklore that has gone through this tribe's Oh yeah, system of okay. This is maybe a hundred and ten years since the first boat ever really goes by. Yeah. Okay. So think of the stories, the oral history that they have yeah. passed down of the outside world. So now you're getting kidnapped. These or, are alien and, people. Yeah. Seriously, dude, yeah. it would be like literally like a UFO shows up and the aliens step out of the ship. Mm-hmm. So essentially, the um, the old man and his wife that they. Uh, took captive uh, die uh, very quickly they get sick because they obviously have no immunity to anything uh, that the Brits have and then the four children are sent back to the island with a bunch of presents they basically give them like little dolls which malaria 
gold <laughs> yeah. frankincense gold, myrrh. Gold frankincense myrrh, little dolls. The second landing by this guy, Portman, this 19-year-old guy, handful of years later, maybe three years later, he's in his early 20s, he hears a giant boom from the island, and he mistook it for gunfire Uh-oh. that was a distress signal. So he basically is like, hey, we got to go after and find out who's, what's going on. Turns out that it was the Krakatoa eruption oh. that went all around the world, yeah, like hundreds of miles away. Wait, what is the, what is the Krakatoa? Krakatoa is like the loudest noise that's ever happened on Earth. It's the biggest like volcanic Volcano. explosion. Yeah. Oh, wow. it's in like uh, Indonesia, I think, yeah. maybe Jakarta, some, somewhere around there. But like 1883, huge explosion. Krakatoa was the name of the mountain. They go on the island. They don't find anything. They leave gifts, and then they return to Port Blair. He visited a handful more times before he was out of there. We flash forward. <laughs> Every time. Um, so they just heard the loud boom was Krakatoa. Was correct. this island close? No, he just thought that it was like a, a distress signal from a gotcha. ship. And he's like, oh, we got to go take care of it. Because he's in Port Blair, 50 kilometers east yeah. of the island. So he then goes out and he goes I bet out. the dolls they gave to those kids were super creepy. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Right? Like Victorian yeah, yeah. era? Yeah. 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 Um, so we're gonna. Uh, they probably thought it was the grandparents just shrunk down and. Yeah. Oh yeah. God, they probably. Did. Well, dude. Also, this Maybe guy. This guy was like super weird when it came to everything. Like he would, he would take photographs of <laughs> natives that uh, were like he would pose them in like homoerotic situations. I don't like he this. would measure their. I don't like it. Genitalia, I don't like, like it. it was weird, right? I don't like it. So, yeah, no, that's super weird. So, can you even imagine what then they have told their children about? <laughs> what was this guy's name? This guy was Maurice Vidal Portman, okay. the nineteen-year-old. The nineteen-year-old. Yeah. Wow, this kid is messed. Yeah, crazy, right? Okay, so that's the late eighteen hundreds. Let me see. They just let him. Never mind. Let me see how big it is. Another basically hundred years go by, and the Indian government decides we we really need to regulate visits to North Sentinel Island. These people have told huge us time and time genitalia. again they don't want any kind con- what'd you say? <laughs> These people have huge genitalia. <laughs> we can't let anybody else on this island. In nineteen seventy five, the former king Leopold the Third of Belgium takes a tour of the islands, the the archipelago there, and then he takes he's taken by local dignitaries for an overnight cruise to the waters of North Sentinel Island. And he said it was the best day of his life, not because of the beauty of the island. It really is a beautiful island. But he got shot at by arrows by like essentially naked people yeah. who made certain gestures with their hands and genitalia as See? if to say, We don't want you here. Yeah. And yeah. he's like, This is the best day of my life. Oh. Um, (laughs) Weird Belgians, man. Also, there was a shipwreck in the early 80s, a ship called the Primrose. The coastal reefs and the currents around the island cause a lot of wrecks if you get too close, which is why the Indian government is like, do not come here. Mm -hmm. One, they don't want you, but two, you might wreck and die. They're constantly getting spears and arrows shot at them, the crew on the ship, and they're like radioing back. They're like, we need firearms now to defend ourselves. And so... There's a big storm. The ships can't get to them. The crewmen were rescued a week later after surviving a week of assault from these natives. So they just uh, crashed out on the reef, uh-huh. and they're and and the natives can't get to them because of the storms and the current. But they're trying as best as they can to shoot them off. A helicopter picks them up to rescue them. People Think of what a heli- if you've never even seen UFO. I've had this thought lots of times. UFO. Yeah, I've had this thought lots of times. Yeah, it, like. What the heck is that thing? Yeah, we used to have that conversation when we were in Afghanistan. Like, clearly they've seen planes and helicopters at this point. But, like, just imagine if we grabbed one of them and took them to Kansas. Yeah. Even that would be like, Heads would explode. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Like, so the Sentinelese people scavenged the metal off the ships because in later expeditions, they learned that they now have weaponry that so literally they've gone from like stone age to bronze age to iron age and they have a natural defensive position because Correct. you can't get a ship close okay i think i got that right stone iron bronze whatever it is they like their technology rapidly evolved in a matter of decades yeah 
they advanced thousands of it was years. Their industrial because revolution, of, precisely. Yeah. yeah, it's like, oh man, we've got this metal now from these ships. So this hurts making, more. Yeah, exactly. A little bit later, the 2004 Indian Ocean earthquake, of course, that we all remember. Yeah, the, India is like, oh my gosh, we got to go check on the Sentinelese, how they're doing. Turns out, everything everything's fine. Yeah. yeah, they had silicon now. They have silicon age. <laughs> yeah. Making computers. Everything yeah. is fine. The Indian government sends a helicopter over to look, and there's a very famous picture of a lone Sentinelese warrior. I've seen that. Firing. Okay, I was wondering if that was mm-hmm. going to come up because I've yeah. seen that photo of like they're in a helicopter or something, and there's a dude on the ground like shooting oh, an arrow. Yep, I've seen that. Yeah. Yep. There were two two years later after that big tsunami and earthquake in 2006, two Indian fishermen were fishing illegally in prohibited waters. They essentially drifted too close to the island, and they were killed. And one of their families back home on the mainland of India wanted retribution. They wanted justice. They wanted the Indian government to go after the Sentinelese people. The other person said, my son was essentially an idiot. Uh, he never should have gone there. He knew the risks. He got what he deserved. And so it was wow. this really interesting like wow. schism of, yeah. of, of that. Okay, Nelson the most recent case, November 2018, a 26-year-old American missionary by the name of John Allen Chow. I knew, um, I knew there was going to be a missionary. Yep, of course. Yep. He wanted to go preach Christianity to the Sentinelese. A lot of people said, don't do this. Yeah. They, like, and he was like, nope, I, I feel like God is calling me to go do this. So he basically self-quarantines for 11 days once he arrives in India in Port Blair. Then he convinces fishermen, hey, get me there. And they're like, we shouldn't. And he's like, I'll pay you. And they're like, okay. And so they drop him off. They basically leave him there. And then the fishermen see the tribesmen dragging his body along a beach to bury his yeah. his, his body. Yeah. Yep. That's um, the only way that was going to end. His body yeah. has not been recovered. The Indian officials How? have made several attempts to recover the body, but they had to abandon it because, again, attacks. What, what people are basically saying is this could be like the last – now – you could say untouched because some uh, somewhere along the line there was this Indian anthropologist I forget his name, but they learned that like hey if we bring coconuts they'll respond well, but like oh, wow, so they seems... like coconuts and so they're dropping coconuts off and like there was one very famous you can actually see the video but like one Sentinelese person like touches the anthropologist to like get the coconuts but very quickly like kind of pulls the arm back and like the ladies on the beach are going nuts. They're like, you guys need to get back here. Stop it. That's so crazy. these people are out there now. We don't know how many there are. In we don't know how long they've lived there. And we have no idea what they think of the outside world. But to them, it, they... Well, it's not positive. No, not no, at no, all. It's not great. <laughs> yeah. But to your point, Stingray, like, it's like aliens. Yeah. It's yeah. like absolute aliens show up every once in a while. Yeah. To drop off goodies and it's then like, and then leave us alone. We're well hydrated. What, what are the big <laughs> bugs here in Indianapolis that come up every seven cicadas. years? Cicadas. Yeah, that's new to me. Years. That is the same thing to them. Yeah, we are their cicadas. Yeah. 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 Um, but they are protected by India. Um, yeah, like once every 16 years, the white guy shows up in a ship and we're like, bam, yeah. we're going to take care of that. And they basically... <laughs> There, there are people who are like, hey, these people need representation. And then there's other people who are like, no, they don't. They need to be left alone. I think they're well represented. Yeah, let yeah. them live their lives. Yeah. And so I was just fascinated. There's a really cool documentary you can find on either Amazon Prime or YouTube about the history of the island, about these huh. different expeditions. And you can see some of the footage of these warriors and their women and their children. And they're who, just out there like, let us be, let, let us be, here let, us be let us be, um, we're the North Centralese, let us let be. be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right, there Russ. You there you go. Top that. All right. <laughs> here comes some wild stuff about... You're crazy. Like an aardvark. Russ always... <laughs> All right. Russ always you're, has surprises You're not too far sleeve. <laughs> All right, so I love that you guessed even remotely close to Aardvark. It's no, like, it's really yeah, not okay, that close right. to Aardvark. It's actually a rock chuck. It's an anteater. <laughs> it's a rock yeah, chuck. It's a rock chuck. William Banks, sometimes called Richard Banks. Wait, is William and Richard are those related no. at all? Will becomes Bill. Yeah, and Richard becomes Dick. Maybe he was just a dick. All right, he's Bill Banks. Okay. He was born in Staffordshire sometime in the early 1560s. 
Staffordshire sounds like England. England, yeah. 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 And then he became the retainer of the Earl of Essex. His job was working in the stables. I don't know what a oh, retainer is. The retainer it's, is it it's keeps, your, keeps teeth your teeth straight. after you yeah. have braces. Yeah. It keeps mm-hmm. them straight. So that's what he was. He lived in a guy's mouth? <laughs> yeah, he lived yeah. in, no, the Earl of Essex's mouth. Ah, uh, yes, the Earl <laughs> of Essex. <laughs> okay. They have notoriously bad so teeth. So Billy Banks. Billy Banks. Billy Banks. Worked in the stable for the Earl of Essex. This isn't about who do the horse? No. Okay. Wait, what? There's a horse whose name is like who to and it's like H with eight O's and then a T with like six O's. Oh, because you heard stables? Yeah. Oh. Go ahead. Is a very yeah. quick Is it about Robin Hood? No. Okay, dang it. All right. I who was the Earl in Robin Hood? Robin who was the bad guy? Oh, it was a duke. Uh, right. Sheriff of Nottingham? Sheriff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a sheriff. Okay. King all right, sorry. Sorry, sorry. Blanks. Tangents. All right, right. This so, is the story of Taekwondo. Taibo. Taibo. No, no, no. This is the story of Billy Banks. This is the story of Billy Blanks. <laughs> <laughs> Was a retainer in 1516. <laughs> this is a 16th century? Yeah. Oh, God. 16th century right. British man. We're not so it was the story of Billy Banks and his horse, Morocco. Oh. Who was born in 1586. Most sources agree he was bay, but some record him as white. Bay must be brown. Bay is okay. like, I think, a patchwork on a... I'll look it up. Like it's spotted. Like, yeah, it's spotted. like yeah, brindle. Sure. Brindle. Yeah, like, like a dog. boxer. Like a dog. Oh, okay. I'll look anyway. it up. How do, you, how do you spell bay? B-E-Y or B-A-Y? B-A-Y. B-A-Y? I knew we were going there. I knew we were going there. He named him Morocco after the, the Moroccan country? leather. Oh, after the Moroccan oh, leather okay. that saddles are made from. And he addressed him as Senor. <laughs> so it was Senor oh. Morocco. Uh, okay. Bay is a reddish brown or brown body color. Okay. There you go. Yeah. This is a ginger. A ginger horse. A ginger senor. Ginger senor. Yes. Senor ginger. Morocco was a small muscular horse with remarkable lithiness. L-I-T-H-E-N-E-S-S. Lith- okay. Lithiness. 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 Lithiness a lot of and agility. Lithiness. <laughs> <laughs> Which, by the way, why do they have an S in the word lisp? What cruel monster decided? <laughs> Let's just honestly just spell it L I T H P. Then all of us have to pronounce it the same way that someone with. Oh, a lisp I thought you just wanted to go lip, like take the no. S out. It would just lisp. Be lip. It should be spelled L I T H P. Yeah, it should. Cool. Morocco proved to be a particularly intelligent and easy to educate horse. Okay. Yeah. Right. All right. I'm intrigued what he tried to teach his horse. Well, the horse could perform various impressive acts. Spanish. Uh Mm Uh-huh. Such as counting money, differentiating. (laughs) (laughs) He would count money. He would differentiate colors. And in his act with Billy Banks, Morocco was able to distinguish between a virgin and a harlot in the audience. What? Yeah. Yeah, he would do that. He would do that. No. Okay. (laughs) I promise. I don't. Okay. Yeah. Senor ruined many families. Yeah, Yeah, I did. Yeah. Uh, Billy Banks took Morocco on tour with this act after he had taught him these, the, the harlot tricks. Yeah. Yeah. In the counting money. He took him to London and he also taught him how to dance on two or four legs, mm. he would return a glove to a specific audience member. <laughs> what is that? I don't know. I, I feel like I should have died to that. A glove is something you put on your hand yeah. to keep yeah, your yeah, hands warm. A, oh, okay. That makes sense. Yeah. yeah, he's isn't, naturally going to do that. Uh, horse dancing called dressage? Yes. yes. That, it's like a competition, yeah. right? It a is. A, yeah, it is. Yeah. It's fancy. Some famous actors they do kid little, does dressage. They like chip yeah. chop. It's like salsa dancing for horses. Senor, he was the original salsa dancer for horses. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. remember there was that famous uh, clip of Snoop Dogg when he saw it. That's right. He said he was doing the crip crip walk. (laughs) No, it says here he could crip walk. Um, He would also bow to the Queen of England, but not the King of Spain. Mm. So that was that really got the audience because King of Spain bad, Queen of England good at the time, and he could even play dead convincingly. Oh. Yep. What's his horse's name again? Morocco? Morocco. Okay. Senor Morocco. Senor Morocco. Mm-hmm. Morocco's act garnered attention from a lot of the wealthy, but after a while, there was accusations of 
Witchcraft. Oh. Yes. How do we yes. know she's Let's a witch? burn this horse at the stake. <laughs> yeah, that's what it was. They wanted no. to. Because he's not the size of a duck. They, no, did, they didn't. Uh, Monty Python. I shall use my larger scale. <laughs> Gosh, I love that you know that scene. <laughs> yeah. She looks like one. He was accused of witchcraft, and he was accused. The horse yeah. was accused. Not not Billy Banks. The horse, the horse was accused yeah. of witchcraft. Horse. Yeah. Horsery. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, they had to cut their tour short. That was a slow uh-huh. burn there for Stingray. <laughs> Horsery. Ooh, there. Yeah. That was good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I didn't even hear it. Because it rhymes with sorcery. Yo, no, I get it. Yeah, yeah. He just didn't laugh. <laughs> he forgot to. Yeah. He forgot to laugh. So the horse was accused of witchcraft? Yeah. They were arrested for sorcery after the horse... <laughs> ama- horsery? <laughs> Good one. Thank you. After the horse amazed audiences by picking out individuals based on their clothes color. Wow. Okay. Sorcery. Like, he is right. Horsery. I am yeah. a harlot. <laughs> <laughs> what is... Which, how many what colors does that were enclosed? It was like yeah. light and dark. Yeah. Yeah. So the Soiled horse and yeah. just off white. The horse would communicate all this through like hoof stomps. Uh, Morse code. He invented Morse, Morse, yeah. code. Horse code. Horse code. Horse code. Horse code. Horse code. Salsa yes. dancing and horsery. Yeah. 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 Wow. <laughs> what a reference. I feel like we need a pun for the salsa dancing part. But Banks managed to prove that the horse was innocent of witchcraft because he had the horse kiss a crucifix. Oh. Which led the... He did. He kissed a crucifix. Do horses like, kiss? Well, clearly you can't be a witch and kiss a crucifix. Yeah, yeah. Your lips would burn. Yeah. Which, Science says. <laughs> Everybody knows that. Yeah. It's like, did throw he, holy water on him. He's still alive. It's fine. Did the horse yeah. kiss the crucifix? Yeah. He did. Yeah. So he's not a witch. And he was fine. Yeah. Which led the accusers to declare that the horse was inspired by the Holy Spirit. Oh, oh so we oh went the other my, way. We went we hundred. Yeah, here okay. we go. Yeah, he can't be in the middle. Yeah. It's either one way or the other. This yeah. is not a demon. This is an angel. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> it was way less eyes and fewer wings and all that. Yeah, angels don't look like you think they look like. No, they do not. They do not. And what just ask Elijah. <laughs> yeah. Probably knows horsery. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But because of all the, the horsery allegations, yes. he lost a lot of popularity. Uh-huh. In order to regain popularity, Banks led Morocco up the 1,000-step spiral staircase of St. Paul's Cathedral oh, this to dance deep. on the roof this to the deep. astonishment of the crowds. This sounds sure. very dangerous. Yeah. It St. does. Paul's Cathedral. And this is where horse diving started. <laughs> <laughs> jumped off the side. No. Yeah. And he was like, this Not is where senior. wild hearts are broken. Yeah, I don't think horses can go downstairs, right? Or is that cows? That's cows. It's cows. That's cows. Cows can't go downstairs. Nope. No. Once they're up there, that's where they die. Oh, it is yeah. sad, man. So if they were on St. Paul's Cathedral, it'd just be dead cows up there. A well, bunch of formerly a, dancing. A bunch of cow skeletons. It's beef at that point. Yeah, it's just beef. <laughs> is this uh, where we get the term horseplay from? Yes. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> It was horsery, horseplay. Horse yeah. This is where we get the term horsery from. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so Banks retired mm. after that, opened a tavern. It's kind of unclear what do. yeah. Naturally. It's unclear what happened in Morocco afterwards. He just gave side quests. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just go to the tavern and it's like he actually well, flew first. away. Yeah. Yeah. Glue gun. <laughs> Aww, you, wow, that right, turned so. dark really fast. And so that's the end of the podcast. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's what it turned dark that the horsery wanted to burn a horse at the stake. Um, <laughs> I love how quickly they went the other way. Where he's like, listen, the horse kissed a crucifix. Yeah, clearly he's an angel. <laughs> he's not a demon. Yeah. I don't know. I think um, we should worship him. It was found out. Uh, Banks did admit towards the end of his life that he had used the systems of Actually, rewards, particularly oh. bread. To teach Morocco various tricks, such as raising a foreleg or striking his hoof. So, wow. normal animal training. Yeah, and yeah. then he eventually <laughs> learned to respond to like verbal commands and yeah. Yeah. facial expressions, and that's how he determined the number of knaves or harlots in the audience with <laughs> without explicit commands. He would just do it on his own. How awkward! Oh, would because that be? the people in the crowd were like making yeah. facial gestures. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Okay, yeah. How so, awkward would that conversation be with your spouse on the way home? Where he's like, so you're a harlot. Or you're huh? about to be spouse. About you to be spouse. Was angel about horse to be told me spouse. So. I yeah. promise okay. you, I'm not. And he's yeah. like, the horse, the horse stamped his foot when he looked yeah. at you. Yeah. Yep. I wonder if he did like the peanut butter 
the Mr. Ed thing where oh, they put yeah, the peanut yeah, butter yeah. and make him look yeah. like yeah. he's talking. Yeah. yeah, that's fun. That show was pretty funny. Uh, Russ, where can we learn more about Morocco the horse? Does he have uh, I don't know. a Google? podcast of his own? Or? Yeah. No, I. You know what? It was really hard to find yeah. a lot about him. Like, there's there's no other podcast that's talking Morocco the horse. You heard it here, folks. We might be the first yes. horsery. That's horsery. We might be horsery. the only Morocco the horse podcast. You heard it here first. So, I think <laughs> trend We're now two episodes in. I think this season is is bound to surprise. Uh, I like um, it. Hopefully, entertain from yeah. time to time. Yeah. Maybe we'll have more guests. You're welcome back anytime. Yeah, I'd love anytime. to come back. This Open invitation. This has been fun, Brent. What do you think? I've had a great time. I have. Okay. Yeah. Thanks for Good. listening. And uh, if you want to become a patron to get early ad-free and bonus episodes, sign up for just five or ten bucks a month at patreon.com slash presequential. You can find that link in our show notes. Thanks for listening. We had a lot of fun. And we'll see you on episode three, season five of the Presequential Podcast.